Today's podcast, did the OSC reject your case? Now what? We must get a gazillion calls from whistleblowers across the United States asking us, what do I do now because the U.S. Office of Special Counsel rejected my case? And I can tell you, folks, this is not a go-to-pieces moment. This is not like your wife or husband threw, your, threw you out of your house. This is not like getting fired. This is not like getting arrested. The U.S. Office of Special Counsel gets thousands of complaints. They are an understaffed, bureaucratic, highlight and capitalize the words bureaucratic because that's what this is. It's a group of bureaucrats who look for one reason or another not to do anything about your whistleblower complaint because they can't. They don't have the resources for it. And I can show you some examples, which we'll do, of whistleblowers. They reported their case to the U.S. Office of Special Counsel, and they were told things like, yeah, we don't think you have a case. Uh, There's no whistleblower disclosure here. The case then went before an administrative law judge at the Merit Systems Protection Board, and guess what? Lo and behold, there actually was a case. Wow, how did that happen? Here's one, a guy in Minnesota. It's an active case. We can't tell you the name of this person yet. He is a client of ours. He reports that a fellow pharmacist was using a pharmacy technician to call patients and create a medication history and reconciliation, which our guy says is impermissible and presents a danger to patient safety. He files the safety report, and what does the VA say? Well, you know what? We're in Minnesota. We know that, but we don't have to follow the Minnesota rules of professional responsibility because we're a federal agency. So, sorry, guy, you don't have anything to complain about. And this is what the OSC says as a basis for getting rid of this guy's case. Lo and behold, the thing goes in front of an MSPB administrative judge. He finds jurisdiction. And he says, yes, you non-frivolously allege that you made a disclosure when you reported the danger of a VA's practice of permitting a pharmacy technician to create a medication history and reconciliation list prior to patient admission. This is a fascinating case Because what you have here is a government agency that is basically told by the state, and a number of states have this same provision in their rules of professional responsibility when it comes to pharmacists. We don't want a pharmacy tech taking the medication history of a patient. The drug names are similar. They can make a mistake. Even if the pharmacist reviews this, doesn't matter. The pharmacist may not know what he's looking for or what she's looking for, I should say. This is a real problem. I mean, and just think about it. Let's say you have a doctor and the doctor is supposed to, under the professional rules of responsibility, sterilize all of the instruments for surgery and the doctor doesn't. And then somebody dies because of an infection. And the doctor's response is, well, look, 
uh, I didn't really violate anything here because I work for the VA and VA, we're not required to follow any of these state rules of professional responsibility. It's ridiculous. It's a danger. The public has a right to know about that. And that's essentially this case. And that's why the administrative law judge carries this case forward. There's going to be a hearing on this case. Great example of how the OSC doesn't really pursue these with great alarm or alacrity or general enthusiasm as they should. Another one. Here was back in 2018. The OSC basically says, we know you made a complaint, but we believe the agency can support the investigation against you in your use of a Lynx account. They later say, information from DHS and Commerce cast doubt on the credibility of your statements made regarding obtaining and using the account. Well, guess what, guy? What about what the agency said? I mean, when you only take one side of the story, it's amazing. Yeah, you're going to come up with, we don't really find anything wrong here. What a shock. So the first issue is do not get discouraged. When you get your OSC result, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. And there are five things that you should do when you get your OSC result. The first one is to, again, understand, study the reasons for the rejection. If the rejection was something like the examples I cited, not enough evidence, we really didn't investigate this, there's not enough here for an investigation, we don't think the law supports it, that is really important and that's not something that you give up on. That's a reason to carry your case forward for the MSPB. If there's something like, well, you complained about discrimination, discrimination cases are in the EEO jurisdiction, the EEO world. Number two, you will see on every OSC filing, on every OSC closeout letter, you will see a 65-day deadline. You must file your case within 65 days with the MSPB. Understand, it is 65 days from the date on the letter, not the date you receive it. That is different than a discrimination Title VII EEO case. That goes by when you got the document. This doesn't. Keep that in mind. 65 days from the date of the letter, even if the date of the letter is a weekend, doesn't matter. You have 65 days, otherwise you lose your case. Next thing that I think you should do is before you talk to a lawyer, storytelling is key. Some of the best cases were presented to me in two or three short paragraphs in very simple terms that I can understand. And that's how juries process cases. That's how judges process cases. Of course, there are many, many details. Of course, there are many weeds and trees within the forest. Everybody knows that. There will be time, plenty of time, 
to go through each of those weeds and each of those trees. But when you're presenting your case to someone for the first time, you want to be able to explain it as though you were talking to your grandmother. Put it in simple terms. This is what happened to me when I complained about X, Y, and Z. And this is why it was unfair. Next thing you want to do is bring this case before the MSPB and understand that process. We have podcasts on this. What happens at an MSPB hearing? Watch those. Very important. MSPB hearings generally are divided into two parts. First, there is going to be a jurisdiction order, which basically means you are going to have to explain to the judge why your whistleblower case met the definition of whistleblower disclosure, what that complaint was about, and it had to be about waste, fraud, abuse, gross mismanagement, or illegality. Make sure you understand that. Make sure you understand that the person who took the action against you heard about the complaint, knew about the complaint, was the subject of the complaint, or at least somehow related to the subject of the complaint. After you make it through that stage of your MSPB case, the judge will then give you the option of having a hearing. And that's going to be on your disclosure. Did you make it in good faith? Did the agency retaliate against you? What evidence do you have for that? We have a podcast on that. What happens at an MSPB hearing? You should absolutely watch that. The last thing I would advise everyone is to gather all of your evidence. Understand, how are you going to prove whatever you are alleging? It's an amazing thing, but people walk into courtrooms all the time, and they talk, and they talk, and they talk, but they don't have anything behind what they're saying. Are there documents? Are there critical documents your attorney has to get? Are there documents that you have? Are there emails that you have? If it's a performance case, do you have any records of your performance? Do you know how to get them? Who can you identify as witnesses that will help your case? All of these things make your case easier to process. Understand this about MSPB cases and whistleblower cases. They are much faster than discrimination ones. Much faster. Agencies know there is generally 120 days from the time that the administrative law judge gets this case until he issues a decision. Know that. The more you have ready before you contact a lawyer, the easier it will be to prevail on your case. Please contact our office when you get one of these letters. We can help. This is what we do. We invite you to subscribe to this YouTube channel. And also, we invite you to send any comments you may have if you want to hear future podcasts on some issue that's really important to you that we haven't done yet. Let us know that, and we can do that.